Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing the show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out, tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos, Josh Peterson and I are back talking about what our hopes are for the Lego movie universe. We're also weighing in with our thoughts on what the future may hold for Activision and its premier game titles, Call of Duty, Destiny, and the Skylander series. Later, we'll answer the questions Star Wars fans have been asking for years. Okay, well, maybe not that one. But we'll speculate on the possible endgame scenario for the polarizing Jar Jar Binks. All this and another great song from Hyperschmidt, a taste of the latest Double J film cast, and Chad and Travis's music show about music, CES interviews with Snakebite talking about its Nintendo Switch gear lineup, and Enix going old school with Retrobit Gaming. It's another full lineup we have for you today, so sit back and relax as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy behind Humanica Media, Ghost Toasters, and 15,000 different podcasts that are on the way or in production right now. The author of Congratulations, You Suck, which is still upcoming, and also as well, Vendetta Dark, it's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Good. I'm just taking a break from my 15,000 projects to uh, pay a visit to my favorite uh, realm of pop culture. Indeed, indeed. Well, you're as 
co-host just like I am. So it's a pleasure to have you back on with me once again to do this thing we call the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is an awesome experience indeed. Listen to us every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. If you cannot catch the show, just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos channels available today on the ESO Network, the Gunna Geek Network, the Tangent Bound Network, an iTunes channel. We also have a Google Play channel, Mixcloud channel, podcast.com channel, Stitcher channel as well. So we've got, we just got a whole bunch of different ways that you can get the show. And for downloading, we usually throw a little bonus thing in there for you as well. So definitely look forward to that indeed. We've got a great show lined up for you right now. I want to say thank you to Retro City Games and Rob McCallum Films. Check out their places for, for all the latest, what they've got going on robmccallumfilms.com, and also Retro City Games on Facebook. We truly appreciate all their support. So it's another great podcast indeed. We've got a lot of things lined up for you. Retro Big Gaming and, and NX Products will be interviewing them from CES. Snakebite, which uh, has something interesting for Nintendo Switch fans. And we've got a lot of great stuff going on. So definitely a taste of the Double J Filmcast as well. Josh, it's great having you on again. And I want to ask you this question to start off the program what were your thoughts of as far as we know it's been doing really well, the Lego Batman movie, two weekends in a row at number one. It's going to be obviously great over the entire holiday weekend here. But your thoughts on the Lego Batman movie as a whole as far as what it's been doing for audiences? Uh, I've heard mixed things from people who have gone to see it. I heard that it's a film that caters to both kids and adults, but more to the adults who take their kids to see it because it's got a lot of innuendos in it and uh, references to old uh, movies and comic books and Batman films like the old Joel Schumacher movies, uh, Michael Keaton. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, subtle, subtle hints at, you know, mistakes done in the past when it comes to Batman, which is funny. Uh, I think that, you know, as far as the Lego movie universe goes, it's, yeah, it's it's a good addition, and I they, Lego has so many like properties that they've uh, I guess Lego ties would be the word, uh, and that's what I want to get into more uh, with as far as talking about the Lego movie universe as a whole. What are your thoughts? Is if we we know there's movies coming up in the Lego movie universe, obviously the Lego movie two, which is the sequel to the hit movie from 2014, I think. Uh, and then also as well, Ninjago, which may or may not tie into the Lego movie universe directly, but it sure does look like it. If somebody sees a trailer, I'll tell you that much right now. So that being said, what are your thoughts as far as where the Lego movie universe should go here? And you were talking about some of the uh, different licenses that they already have access to. What would you like to see as a Lego movie fan? As a Lego movie fan, I would like to see them. I mean, this is going to be an obvious answer for me. I'd like to see them go into like some, uh, you know, the Marvel world. That would be really rad to see. Um, I, I, you know, I, the Lego movies are something I'm not going to go to see while it's in theaters, but you know, I will happily watch them when they hit DVD like I did the last one. And there's just, there, there's so much, uh, there's so much stuff to explore there. And it's, it's kind of like SpongeBob is what Lego reminds me of. It's, it's funny for adults and it's funny for kids and the stuff that the kids don't laugh at the adults do because they, you know, it's, it's subtle and it's an innuendo and hopefully the kids don't understand it, but it's like, you know, you have those kids movies where you go and you're just, you're just bored through the whole thing because it doesn't really appeal to you as a viewer, but 
you know, with this movie, it's fun to watch with your kid because it's funny to both of you. So it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, potential for growth here. With some big names that are actually driving a lot of those, those characters are behind as far as uh, Elizabeth Banks, obviously Chris Pratt, you know, those type of individual stars that are well known that, that are voicing these characters. Uh, Will Ferrell was in the universe as well, whether he comes back, that remains to be seen. But Morgan Freeman as well. So it's, it's been nice to see those characters, so those stars create that imagery that we've seen in the first Lego movie. And obviously Will Arnett's take in the Lego Batman movie has, for many audiences, up to the notch. It, the movie's not expected to do as well as the Lego movie, mind you, but it's still going to already at $100 million here domestically it, and most likely will top out maybe close to two, maybe 225. And then from there, maybe garner over another four to 500 million as well for, for Warner brothers. So it's good to see exactly what they're doing with the Lego series as a whole. And like you said, with so many licenses, they could be attached to, it's nice to see them be able to go ahead and do that. I'd like to see more because I think that brand of humor with the innuendo does make it attractive and interesting for both audiences that are older and then audiences that are younger to both go into. So as long as that creative niche is there and the writing team of the Lego movie, as long as they're heavily involved in the actual universe itself, I really think that the the universe is really going to go in uh, full steam into making more solid movies. As long as they're not expecting huge success as far as 750 billion dollar movies out of it they're going to do just fine if they they keep that budget with at they're at 60 to 100 million and are, are expecting maybe a 350 to 500 million dollar return as far as the box office take then really go into home video and taking the money there with with younger audiences i think that's the way they should continue to go ahead down the line and there's a lot of great properties that they could go ahead and, and deal with Star Wars, Marvel, like you said, and so much more. We'll just take a look at Lego Dimensions and see all the properties that they've actually reached into to try and make that game a success. Unfortunately, it hasn't resonated with audiences, and which is partly the reason why the you know the Disney Infinity series is no longer with us because that market's out. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit later on in another subject that we're going to deal with that that. Uh, that's going to deal with that type of issue. So we'll, we'll definitely have to wait and see on that end as far as from a game standpoint. But from a movie standpoint, everything's going ahead, everything's great, and everything's going forward correctly for the Lego movie franchise. If you were, like I said, the head of Warner Brothers, but you couldn't get Marvel due to some restrictions, where else would you lean to as far as the Lego movie universe that really makes sense for audiences? Personally, I'm a fan of the Lego Hobbit games. Uh, there, there's not a lot of Lego games I've gone out of my way to play, but this is the, the Lego Hobbit is funny. I, I think that if they were to, and that's another uh, avenue for um, you know fans of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit, to jump back into Middle Earth. Granted, it's not in the uh, the capacity that they would hope for, but it's still a fun area to explore. And that's actually a great suggestion because the fact that right now the series and the and the the world from a movie and theatrical standpoint is in a lull because they have finished they pretty much dried up one area of that universe that they can go into and until they get some more okays from the Tolkien family which 
in and of itself has been really hard to get. Uh, they won't be able to delve in, into that aspect. Uh, those worlds that the fans of the Lord of the Rings are, are knowledgeable about and know that, that Tolkien also delved into that they can't, they can't actually get a hold of. They can only deal with what they have and what they have access to. So if the Lego Hobbit is created for an on-screen universe, it actually could make a lot of sense as far as tying into that realm. Uh, as far as maybe from a TV standpoint, do you think that maybe you know outside of the Django series that actually is on the Cartoon Network and whatnot, do you think they could actually go a little bit higher realm as far as from a primetime standpoint with a Lego TV series as well? Oh, I do, but I, I don't think they're going to go that avenue unless it's a very specific property. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the, the movie's based on Lego Cityscape, I guess, but I, I think without a – they're not going to dive into that pot of characters unless people are just fed up with the movies. I think if they have something specific, maybe something geared more towards kids – uh, they would they'll they'll open that TV avenue, but at the moment their movies are profiting really well, and they're uh, you know they're they're opening Lego stores all over the world. They have a uh, what, there's one in in Paris now that actually will turn you into a Lego and print and uh, print out an entire set for you to you know do what you will with, which is really neat. Uh, I heard of that too, and I'd love to do that as well. I know they have that big large uh store in london as well that they that they tied into when they were doing promotional work for the movie recently uh, as well so and i do like the, the callbacks to the the various different batmans and and what they allude to in the movie so i, I definitely like that from a personal standpoint so as long as they remain fun to watch for both young and, and old audiences it's really great to see I'm hoping for the best for the Lego franchise because I don't think, like like you said, Legos haven't been dying out anytime soon. The Legos have been a part of our culture now for, for many, many years. And it does have it ebbs and tides. But now that they've created a whole bunch of licenses that they can draw from, in addition to what they've created themselves, it just makes the Lego movie universe possibilities that much stronger indeed. So it's going to be a great episode again, like I said before, that we have coming up for you. But first, I want to say thank you to Hyperschmidt. I know Josh could tell everybody more about Hyperschmidt out there, but I wanted to say from a personal standpoint, thank you for allowing us to play your music over the past few weeks. Before we head out to some great music from Hyperschmidt one last time this week, what's going on as far as Hyperschmidt is concerned? And have you heard anything about some good stuff coming on the way so we can play them again in the near future? I know they're working on some stuff. I was talking to Chad about it, and he said that there, it's just... Chad know, is talking to Chad about it. Ch- Chad is talking to Chad about it. Uh, uh, Chad is chat, chat, chatting about it? That Chad is chatting with Chad. Chad is chatting with Chad. But uh, that's, yes. a, that's a pun in and of itself. You know, yeah, but uh, anyways, Chad has been saying that he, yeah, he's got, he's working on some stuff, and they're... It's just it's time for him. I know it's uh, it's kind of t- tough, like uh, you know, running your nine to five job and then working on all your other stuff. We the struggle's real. Like we, me and you know this. So you know, well, I, I'm sure in the near future we're going to be seeing some stuff very soon. Um, in the meantime, yeah, it's just uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying these tracks. I hope so as well, indeed. 
again, check out their stuff. They're going to be still there, available on YouTube. They've got some great hits there already. It's on the Hyperschmidt channel and also Hyperschmidt.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T.com. And this is Hyperschmidt, my favorite track from them. It's about to win. And you're listening to The Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with it. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you there. That's about to win from Hyperschmidt. Check out their songs today on YouTube and Hyperschmidt.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T dot com. Right after the break, we're at CES with Snakebite as Big Boy is talking about their latest accessory line for the Nintendo Switch. 
This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films in 2017. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Box Art arrives this year, just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And once again with Pop Culture Cosmos, this is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source Live at CES 2017. We're here at the Snakebite booth, Snakebite USA, and I'm here with Alexander. I'll tell you what, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I know we've got a lot of great products coming out indeed, but obviously a lot of people want to focus on the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo yeah. Switch is coming out with great anticipation. It's coming out obviously in March. Your company seems to have taken not only just quick step forward in presenting what you guys will have to offer for consumers out there that are going to be desperately buying the Nintendo Switch. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, Snakebite has been around actually for almost two decades now. We've been doing video game accessories, and, and recently uh, the company has uh, has got a, has branched out into several new directions. But more than anything, it really is, uh, it, it's the Nintendo Switch announcement that really does seem to have caught the imagination of gamers and the world media here at CES. And uh, we must admit, it took us a little bit off guard. We knew it would be popular, but we're absolutely bowled over by the interest that we've had from media such as yourselves. Um, I think at the moment, you know, the anticipation for the new Nintendo console is super high. These are, are, are kind of what we call in our industry day one products. These are your essentials. You're going to need these products day one. Of course you are. You're going to go out, you're going to buy your Nintendo Switch console. It's going to be a super expensive purchase and you're not going to want to get it broken. You're going to need to carry it. And really the importance is being first to market. It's all about being first. And Snakebite is super proud to announce that we're going to be the first people to bring a range of Nintendo Switch products to market. And the quality is actually really, really high. And once again, Gerald, as I say, I think you're going to need those essential accessories if you do decide to take uh, your your your, um, your tablet portion of the console, if you take that away from home, you're going to need these accessories. So we've actually got um, three different carry case solutions, very luxurious carry case. The inside is really nice and padded, it's going to protect your, your tablet. You've got a little uh, diagonal zip there as well where you can store your accessories or game cases. Very simple, but it's going to fit your tablet absolutely perfectly. Uh, here at the top, this is called the travel case. We call this the travel case because it offers a little more protection uh, when you're on the road or when you're on the move. Uh, it's, it's a hard PVC exterior. Uh, inside, it's got a little insert. It's got a little um, uh, cloth insert uh, that allows you to store your game cartridges. So you can store eight game cartridges. You can also safely store your tablet and you can store uh, your cables and accessories as well. It's got a little pouch at the top. Uh, over on the right, believe it or not, this is actually a slightly different solution. Uh, this is a part of what we call the starter kit. So the starter kit is going to give you a carry case. It's a slightly different carry case than the standalone one. Uh, so you've got a carry case. Once again, you have a, a, a room above there for your your cables, your accessories. Uh, comes with foldable. Ear, uh, comes with uh, earbuds as well. Really high quality earbuds. Really nice treble and bass response on that as well. Uh, you've got a little plastic game cartridge case that's going to allow you to store your game cartridges when you're on the move as well. You've got a cleaning cloth, the microfiber cleaning cloth to keep your screen nice and clean and to protect the screen, which is very important, especially if younger members of the family are going to be using the tablet, uh, you've got screen protectors as well. So they're high quality screen protectors, really going to stop that tablet from getting uh, scratches and dents. You've also got the foldable earphones we can see here in the middle. Um, I like the color scheme, it kind of reminds me of uh, NES Classic, but you've got the foldable earphones 
really high quality. Um, we'll try and take these out for you a little bit later and actually show you how they fold up. But the ear cup actually just folds right on into the headband. Super portable, but super high quality. That's a standalone product. Uh, another standalone product we have at the bottom here, very simple, they're called control caps. You know, one of the unique aspects about the Switch console is the, um, the controls actually break away from the tablet as well. So not only can you take the tablet around with you, but the controls on the left and the right, they break away. So you can actually put the tablet up on a kickstand and you can just hold uh, the two halves of the controller. So uh, one player can get one half, the other player can get the other half. And there are going to be games that you can play two player uh, using that control scheme. So the control caps, not only do they offer a really nice tactile feel and uh, make the analog thumbsticks much more maneuverable, especially for those with bigger hands, but it also helps you distinguish which player is which uh, by giving you different colors. So you have uh, uh, two players, so you can identify the two player um, controls really easily. So it's a full range of products. They're going to be available day one for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I think all eyes are going to be on Nintendo now uh, uh, for the 13th to find out the exact release date and price. But uh, you need to know that whenever they come out, we're going to be here with our full range of accessories. And you're also going to be obviously at major retailers across North America yeah. and obviously, I'm assuming, Europe as well. Absolutely, yeah, and worldwide, globally. So yeah, you, do you can have look a... out for us uh, just about everywhere. Prices, MSRPs have been announced yet for it? Uh, we're going to be announcing uh, full pricing of all the products you see here very shortly. Where can someone go before, obviously, the launch uh, as far as more about all the great products you guys have? That's a really great question. Uh, I encourage all of your readers, Gerald, to, uh, to follow Snakebite, which is S-N-A-K-E-B-Y-T-E. -E. Uh, so follow Snakebite on social media. So we have our Facebook, we have our Twitter, and of course our website as well. Just do a Google search for Snakebite, take a look at our website, follow our social media for exact release information. Well, big boy, I just want to tell you thank you so much for being part of the pop culture cosmos obviously getting just a little bit of a sneak peek <laughs> at what uh, you know the Nintendo switch has to offer and definitely it looks like a great great package indeed for anyone out there that's going to be interested in purchasing a Nintendo switch anytime soon well thanks very much it's been a pleasure to be here uh, thank you to check out all their great gaming accessories including those from the Nintendo switch head on over to their website mysnakebite.com that's M-Y-S-N-A-K-E-B-Y-T-E dot -E com. Up next on the Chad and Travis Music Show about music, they grill their friend Justin as they talk about creating the next great song. Ready. You want to give us our uh, musical intro? Oh, musical intro? To, hello and welcome to the Chad and Travis musical just show about out? music featuring Justin, who's in... Okay, let's restart it. It's, it's, it's going to do a couple different starts. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking of keep going. I was just going to make fun of you. Uh, no, no matter what, Josh is going to use this anyway. Exactly. So. Look, see that face right there? Yeah, it's just pure Evil. deviousness. I wanted to interrupt you, so we had to do that. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Chad and Travis show. Welcome to the Chad and Travis musical show about music featuring Justin, That's me. who is in music. I'm in music. Um, Justin, tell us about yourself. Uh, let's see. I'm in music. I'm here I today. am in music. I love music. And music is in I you. I want to write some music. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Nice. Um, I learned a lot today. Yes. 
Justin is is also under the name Mighty. Oh yes. for, which in which right. he releases his art. Shameless plug. Wait, how do you Shameless plug. Mighty Music with an I instead of a Y. M I G H T I. Yes, very Googleable. Very Googleable. As they say. The analytics are on fire. Off the charts. Okay. Let's begin. Uh, Welcome to the show. It's all about musical things and us just talking about things and current things and just wild and just absolutely crazy stuff was going to happen because these people right here. Because so, of these people? Well, I'm myself oh, included. Oh, 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 man. Myself completely included. Um, let's get started. Let's do it. All right, all right. All right. So I think we, had, we just talked that we should probably start out with like you doing a minute, I'll do a minute, you do a minute. Is that what we agreed on? Yeah. So That's so before, before we get started, we want to lay the rules down for the writing part yeah, portion yeah, yeah. of the show. Go for it. So once we start going to the writing section, we're gonna try and do kind of an experiment where one person is gonna play one minute like we did before, except we're doing it really quick. It's kind of to teach a writing principle of whoever's idea is uncivil, but whoever's idea is the best is the one you go with. Uh, so it, there's a, but kind of a, I mean, like that's a huge lesson to learn in music. Like if you're co-writing with people, you have to be able to think, you know, bigger not than selfishly, your, yeah. And you have to drop the pride and killing like, the pride is a big part be the best, of, of yeah. It's sure. the best one, even if it's not mine. Life lesson and music lesson. That's right. Well, so okay. Travis, point. Let's let's let, yeah, musical show about life and also a life show about music. <laughs> Honestly. Um, uh, is all I can say. All right, so, all right. First thing we're talking about uh, the song that we listened to this week. Okay. I'll, you all right? <laughs> I like, I know I'll start it. I have had a uh, a busy week with lots of working on After Effects uh, at work, and so when I do that, I go straight to uh, Purity Ring, Another Eternity album, just back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. That album makes me jam when I'm doing computer work. So I've been listening to that album over and over again. And, and that's a really good album to listen to through. It's not like a song that you can just pick and choose. I definitely recommend song one and listen to it all the way through with some good headphones. Put those headphones on. I mean, that's a good advice. That album is one of the most like listenable whole albums. It just yeah, it just it's, goes. It just goes together with with all the songs. Travis, wait, hold on. Oh. Let's Travis, sh want to show us that what you were just doing over there? Let's, let's see it. What, what? Let's talk about that real quick. What's wait, going on with that? Have you not heard Purity There's Ring? two problems. One, I probably haven't heard it, or if I have, the second problem comes into play where I don't think, know things by name. So, let me give you a little backstory. For about the past three months, I've been asking Travis to listen to this album. <laughs> oh my god. And he hasn't? Has he promised things? Um, I don't think we've got that far. Okay. You, Travis, listen. Me and Justin are sitting you, sitting you down. Stand up, real no, quick. I'm, I'm not you stand in up this. for me? Oh, I'm not in this. No, no, you are. You no, are. You're, you're going to be behind what I'm saying. I'm not. All right. Have a seat real quick for me. Okay. Me and Justin, what? We, we have something very ser serious to talk to you, you about. You're sitting me down. Very serious. You really, we, we really should give it a listen. Just some headphones on. The Peter Ring album. When you it's say, really good. It's really good. Okay, if, here's here's my favorite. If you if you have a ton of work to do, Peter Ring is it's so amazing. It's, it's so like, amazing to do work to. It's, what? You can just Tra Travis, there's a problem over here. And listen to Hold it. Hold on. Wait, you time. just said headphones. Oh, brother. <sighs> so that's, yeah. Uh, you listen to Purity Ring? Listen to Purity Ring. See, this is the craziness that's going to happen. I, uh, I listen to Alone Feet Delay. It's a good song. Yeah, it's like, um, that, it's very percussive. Is that, which, is that the one you were just showing me? No. It wasn't. That one was too. No, I haven't shown you this one. It's really, it's, per, it's percussive, it's different, it's electronic, but it's like drum percussive also. Why don't we, uh, 
can we pull that up on your on your computer? Okay. So as we're talking, <laughs> yeah. can, can we watch like the music video for that or the like the listen to it? Because the, the, Josh, and Josh, you're able to definitely like cut to that for us. Yes. So Travis. Right, so this week. We're doing a lot of stuff in my house as far as tearing up carpet, putting down tile. Nice. A lot of work. Um, so what I've been listening to to get through that is a lot of uh, Kamau, actually. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness, yes. that guy is nuts. Yeah. Uh, Travis introduced me and Justin my to... My girlfriend introduced me. Wow. Oh, okay, so Evelyn. So yes. starting with your girlfriend. And starting with my girlfriend, yes. But he's like, dude, this Who song is amazing. Great. How did she discover it? And now I'm showing it um, to all my so friends. Kamau right. actually did a cover of the song Hey Ya. Oh, right. That's and a great that cover. On, did you really? Twitter. Yeah, it's really good. I've got to hear it. It was on Twitter. For more of the Chad and Travis Music Show about music, head on over to the Humanican Media Facebook page or their YouTube channel. This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then, I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks, and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Tune in every week right here, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. We're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, podcast.com and the ESO network, the Tangent Bound network and the Gunna Geek network as well. Um, I'm here with my good friend again. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on with Humanica Media? Uh, Humanica Media actually has a lot going on. We have, uh, you know, we have our, our podcast, the uh, Chad and Travis musical show about music, the double J film cast, uh, super bro game, uh, super bro station games. Cast. Sorry, it's really hard to pronounce that name. See, and and, we, and, and people say I have trouble saying it. You you're have- right. It, it was a real. It's a really ridiculous name. Not not my first pick. Um, so we we have another podcast coming down the pipeline that I am I'm really excited about. Mostly because I don't have to be on it. I just I'm just producing it strictly. And I, you know, these guys are these guys are really smart and they they're going to debate things that people don't normally uh people think but they don't normally talk about you know like those uh those either taboo subjects or the ones where people are like what the heck is the matter with people who why would you ask a question like that they're going to ask the questions so you don't have to and that is called what about this besides that we have ghost toasters ghost toasters episode three part one is coming next week so stay tuned for that Definitely a lot of great things to look to indeed. So check that out on the Humanican Media Facebook page and the Humanican Media YouTube page. And they throw a lot of stuff our way here at Pop Culture Cosmos as well. So you can check that out on our Facebook page indeed. And we'll be updating our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, to make sure all that great Humanican Media stuff comes there as well. So it is uh, definitely a strange time indeed, because for the industry of gaming, for many, many years, there was pretty much 
death taxes and Activision is going to take home a billion dollars in cash every single year. Now, mind you, they are partners still with Activision Blizzard. So as one entity as a whole, Blizzard is still doing gangbusters and with Overwatch coming out last year and rocking everyone's world, including garnering our game of the year for the year 2016. It's no wonder why Blizzard from that standpoint is doing extremely well. But on the other hand, for Activision, it's kind of a different story in that, yes, overall that the company did exceed expectations, but from a Call of Duty standpoint, which I know Josh does not have the most endearing thoughts toward, but as a series as a whole is, is one of the most important game series of all time. It's kind of seen a little bit of bumpy road, even though with with Call of Duty Infinity Warfare that came out last year, that came out to pretty good critical reception. And yes, it was still the number one title of the year overall in sales. But unfortunately, it did not come close to the numbers that Activision said that they wanted it to be. And it did not meet the numbers that they were expecting it to. And they, yes, they were relating it to the fact that it was going out in space, which for me was an interesting take. And I kind of liked where the direction was going. But they're now saying they're going to get back to basics. They're now with, well, Sledgehammer Games. It's their turn to make the latest Call of Duty. So their turn is heading back into a what they quoted was a familiar direction that fans are are looking for them to get back into. What does that mean? What is that like? All of the Call of Duties are familiar in some way or another. You're running around with a gun shooting people and you have a, you know, multiplayer that people play it for and a story that nobody really pays attention to. This could be one of two things. It's either could be a modern warfare type environment as they really found their success when they started utilizing that, that Call of Duty modern warfare concept. Or they could be going back to World War II, which is similar to what EA did with its Battlefield 1, exactly going to World War I. I hope they don't follow their shoes and go strictly to World War I. That would be a, a crime and a shame because that that's just be, would be a blatant ripoff, and I don't think they're stupid enough to do that. But I do believe that the, you know the World War II is not out of the realm of possibility. But I also feel that that if I had to lay odds and, you know, in Vegas we're here, so we got to lay odds on something. I really have a feeling that they're going to go back to the modern warfare type scenarios that, that made them the most success in the past 10 years. What are your thoughts on the call of duty universe? Uh, I mean, you know, I've made my thoughts pretty vocal about (laughs) call of duty in the past. I, they, I, I liked their World War Two games. I, I, I was those were the only ones I was really a fan of. Modern Warfare was fun, but you're right; they have made a name for themselves on mo- like the more modern games. And I think if they want to continue to profit, continue to please people, that's the direction that they need to go in. Unless they, you know, want to surprise us and show us something that's never been done before, like maybe. An ancient warfare game would be fun, but you know that's too much of a risk. So I think that modern is definitely where they're planning on going. Well, to me, it's it's not good for me when they started going from the modern warfare and started going a little bit more in the future, a little bit more in the future with the Black Ops deal. As far as that, from that standpoint, and Ghost was really a bad game as well that came out in recent years. Like I said, they they were going into the future with the Black Ops that 
series that that didn't work out as well as they thought i personally wasn't a big fan as well but last year's infinite warfare where they went into space and dealt with from that that type of combat including air ship to ship combat was actually a kind of a good experience and kind of a fun experience it got got pretty good ratings as far as from a critical standpoint like i stated earlier and i thought it was really a a nice turn for the series to get into, but obviously when it comes down to sales and, and meeting expectations, you got to make changes if it doesn't do it. So do you think that has something to do with mass effect and halo, like all the, you know, those games coming out, or do you think that people have a standard for call of duty and they just want what they're expecting? I think it's the call of duty and want what they're expecting. You know, the Madden players that are out there, they like their certain thing to stay in a box. And with the NFL and the way they market it, as far as EA is concerned, that's what they're going to get. The same thing comes down with Call of Duty players. I think there's a, a there's a finite list. There's a, there's just a standard number of people that are just so into Call of Duty that they eat, sleep, breathe Call of Duty, and that's what they want. But when their experience changes beyond what they were we're going into it it's kind of like uh maybe i'll just go ahead and try give something else a try because that's that's what i think they're seeing they're seeing a little bit of erosion in the call of duty universe as far as from a population standpoint and if they don't start making efforts now to try to stem that tide maybe they would be really hard pressed to be able to go ahead and and keep it from from seeing a continued downfall year after year with each iteration. Do you think the Call of Duty universe can be reborn again and somehow? Because there are other things we need to talk about when it comes to the Activision universe, maybe not being as strong as well. But I'll, I'll let you answer that question first before we go on. Well, if you're going where I think you're going, I think that Activision has a habit of just beating their franchises to death. And I, when they have tried to rebirth something like Guitar Hero... They haven't, it hasn't worked out well for them. No, and, and Guitar Hero series just came out and tried to get reborn and pretty much came out DOA. So I, I don't blame you a bit when you when you make statements like that. And in the, the gamer's defense, like the fact that, you know, the people actually boo you off stage and like make you feel bad. Like who wants to play a game that makes you feel like crap? <laughs> I don't you know. know. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I've had those experiences before and they're never any fun indeed. So, and that's not to compound the fact that this will be the first year in many years that, that a Skylanders release will not be new. There will not be a Skylanders new iteration coming out this year, which tells me all I need to know about where the Toys to Life series is going. Disney's disappointing at the time decision to get rid of infinity is now looking like a smarter deal on their part day by day by day even though it's disappointing me as a disney infinity fan i wanted to see that universe evolve especially with more usage of star wars and everything marvel going on um with the planned disney infinity 2 that got that shelved at the same time they canceled it so it looks like the skylanders universe may be heading in that direction as well because it's not going to see. That's the first thing they announced with the Infinity that they were just not going to use, do a a yearly iteration of it. They we're going to go ahead and build up for Disney Infinity the next version. And fortunately, it, uh, 4.0, excuse me, and unfortunately never got around to that. And they they canceled it. Could the same thing happen to the Skylanders universe? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you, when Skylanders came out, it was marketed to a certain demographic, and now all those kids that played it are growing up and moving on to more mature games, especially like when the Nintendo Switch comes out. I think that that's going to be a big hit among that crowd. So I think that Sky, those those little like game piece type things are are slowly phasing out just because, like I've mentioned before, gamers are you know, they're, we're cheap people, you know, we have to, we, we game on a budget and especially like as these kids grow up and realize that, Hey, my parents aren't going to buy me video games anymore. I'm going to have to be sparing with what I play, what I purchase and, you know, paying money every time I want to open up a new combo or something to buy a little action figure. is just not worth the cost. Well, they did say in their recent financial statements that they are going to, for sure to go, that there will be a Destiny 2 coming this year rather than next year beyond outside of any delays. So that those two, as far as a new Call of Duty in a universe that we're familiar with, back to the basics type deal, whatever slogan they're going to come up with, plus a Destiny 2 could mean that they might have a strong enough year to, to meet expectations. But if... My opinions on as far as the the Call of Duty universe is that even if they go back to basics, there is going to be the law of diminishing returns, and they may not be able to see the same kinds of success. And I think there are a lot of first-person shooters out there that might fit the bill even better. Star Wars Battlefront 2 will be coming out most likely this year, and there's going to be a bevy of first-person shooters like Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2 that actually will still have DLC coming out that might make it and keep it relevant for for some time in the future. So definitely looking forward to that indeed. But Activision may be not staying in that same realm that they once were for too much longer, but we'll have to wait and see indeed. But your thoughts on Activision and Blizzard? I'm not a huge fan of Activision. I'll play their games if someone gives them to me or if I borrow them from somebody, but I never... They don't really have a lot of properties that I go out of my way to play. I still need to get into Destiny at some point. I just need to have time to play it because that's one of those games where I know it's going to cost a lot of uh, time to play. So one of these days I'll play it, but in the meantime, I'm you know I stick to the titles that I know I can get through really fast before I get into something different. I did too. I really want to get back in the universe and play more of it. I only played a few hours of it initially. I was kind of disappointed when I didn't get the answers I wanted to as far as from a space combat standpoint. I wanted something more in that realm to have a complete experience within planet to planet as far as that's concerned and and be able to go ahead and delve more into that aspect rather than to just have mainly a first-person shooter. would have liked a little bit more of that. Because, hey, look, Call of Duty did it. Why can't Destiny? So that was my deal with it. I really thought it was going to lean into that direction where it was a full-blown experience with a lot of varying things to do. And it just didn't seem like that for me. But I may get back into it again, too, especially if Destiny 2. If that looks really good, come E3 when they announce it officially, it would be nice to to get back in the realm if that's the case. So definitely a lot of the good things to look forward to. But will it be at the same level of expectations for Activision? We'll have to wait and see. I'm not so as high on Activision as far as being the number one big boy on campus when it comes to the gaming world. 
what are your thoughts out there, folks? I do want to hear it. Give us a shout out on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos, at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, or just send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking to folks at Inex in regards to Retrobit Gaming from CES. We'll be airing that interview coming up right after the break. And then to close out the show a little later on, Josh and I will be asking the question, is this really the end of Jar Jar Banks? We're going to answer that question real soon as we close the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. We are back live right here at CES 2017 for Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford once again from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, along with Chris Bonner, hello also world. as well. Yes, hello world indeed. We are here live at NX. NX Accessories, there. they've been known for many years as providing accessories to major gaming retailers all over the world. Christopher Mendez, so it's a Chris and Chris show here. Chris, it's great to have you on the program. Just want to tell me a little bit more about what Enix has in mind with Retrobit Gaming. So what we have right here is the Retrobit Generations. And what this is, it is a plug-and-play console, but we are working with official companies such as Capcom, Data East, Jalico, and Iris. So how many games as far as it's concerned? How much does it cost? So the Where can they find it? has over 100 games already packed into it. Okay. It is retail $60. Sixty dollars. Place to find it would be on Amazon. Okay, and that's Retrobit Generations. So bringing back the nostalgia of gaming, what motivated Inex to go ahead and start with the Retrobit Generations program? Well, the Retrobit Generations, as I mentioned, it is a plug and play with games already presented. What Retrobit normally does is it produces consoles that require cartridges. But we hear a lot of feedback from people that they don't know where to find the games, they don't know where to get them, or what game they should pick up. So we just took all the legwork out of hunting down the games and made it easy for So if you see this podium right here, you see it says Super Retro Boy. Super Retro Boy, okay. what that is. Well, I'd say, obviously, an uh, uh, offshoot of the Game Boy, the, the very popular guess. Nintendo Game Boy. So it is a three-in-one console. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. So Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games in there. Is that correct? Yes. You do need the actual cartridges. It's just a nice way to play them all in one. A nice backlit screen. A nice little compact system. So okay. it's, it's colored now, right? So if I put in a Game Boy Color game, it's going to play in color the same if way. If you put in a Game Boy Color game, it will definitely play in color. But if you play a Game Boy game... It will not play. Gotcha. But okay. Game Boy Color, full color. And the Game Boy Advance, also Game color. Game Boy Advance in color. It's a little more advanced, but <laughs> totally in color. There we go. And this is available now? This is not available now. We're kind of showing this for the first time as well. We're hoping for maybe uh, the end of the year. Availability August 2017. August 2017, so. This should be available for about $79.99. Okay. This is cool. So I can actually get my, my old game cartridges. Of course, blow them all out and play Put them. them right in on the back. Play like as if you were 10 years old again. There we go. Play some Pokemon, play some F-Zero, whatever you want to play, right? That's awesome indeed. Probably jump on both of those. So that's the Super Retro Boy coming out in 
latter half of the year, looks like. Um, most likely around this $80, $79.99 point price range. Do you have Very to know maybe where online only or maybe a, a local retailer the somewhere? The easiest places to find anything retrofit, definitely Amazon. Gotcha. Amazon, Amazon. And it'll be in color. Oh, nice. Very These nice two colors? These two colors for now, we're kind of branching out, see what people want to see. But All right. I like the red one and black one myself. That's actually pretty dope. I like that one. It is really nice. Nice little chain. It has nice little grips on the side. But that is the super retro board. If you want to check out something big, a giant controller. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. So that's a super retro boy here at the NX booth from CES 2017. And we are passing the Retrobit Generations Portable, which we just saw earlier. That's coming out later this year as well, hopefully. And we got a table here and it's got four cup cozies, obviously. Yes. And then a plate thing over there if you want to, you know. If you want to eat off of it, put some eggs. Oh, absolutely, eggs. yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> Have a seat. So what this actually is, is the Retrobit Mega Table. The Retrobit Mega Table, okay. coffee table that you can play games with. Now what Chris is actually doing, it's actually a, like, a large, think of it like a coffee table out there, everyone, with the, that looks and actually controls like the old NES pad from days gone by. Yeah, he's actually using and playing Super Mario Brothers, and he's actually playing off the table because there's a controller built into the table and buttons built into the table. So this is amazing as far as uh, not only just going back as far as reaching nostalgia and whatnot, it's just really cool concept for the living room, you know, a side room, what, what have you. So tell me a little bit more about what plans you have, you guys have for the for the Mega Table and how people can find out more about how great this is. So much like all of our other products, this is not yet available. We're kind of showing you off, showing it off, getting some interest in it. But the Mega Table, we're planning on offering different kinds of wood. It might have a nice little plexiglass feature on top so you can actually eat off of it. Not directly, hopefully, but like with plates and silverware, you know. Yeah. We're, we're people. But at least, you know, make it... Layoverable, so when so you, you spill something, you can easily yeah. clean it up, and then yeah. that's a cool. So, so how does it? What does it connect into? Is that a system that comes with it, or it looks like you got a super retro trio? That's that's exactly. So we have plugged into our super retro trio, which does NES, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis games all in one little unit. Okay. It's plugged in by the SNES slot, but it is also going to offer a USB option. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome indeed. That's still not available yet uh, as well. Still not available. I actually go to Kickstarter. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm telling you what, this is great that we're seeing a lot of the stuff here at the booth that are not available yet to the regular public, but they're getting a sneak peek right now from us here at Pop Culture Cosmos. Nice exclusive tour. Yeah, there you go, indeed. What else do we have while he's still playing there and he's going to might be a while? He's not doing too bad. So we're yes. migrate towards the wall over here. Of course. So the Richmond Generation, as I mentioned, we are working with publishers. Officially. Okay. So along with lending us the licenses to put on the console, they're letting them for the actual controllers. Okay. So you'll notice these controllers have Mega Man, Sorry. Ghosts and Goblins, Street Fighter, and these are going to be available for your PC Mac or your actual console. Nice. Very nice indeed. And they are also not available as of yet, correct? Also not available yet. Okay. We're showing you all the exclusive stuff right now. Oh, uh, but this is, this is sweet indeed. I'm getting a picture of all this as well. They are Retrobit controllers that are going to be available. Classic controllers with Mega Man as far as the licensing is concerned, Street Fighter 2, uh, Ghosts and Goblins, a lot of great games indeed. Any more that you can maybe announce along with that? or? Unfortunately not yet. This is as exclusive as we're going to get with the sneak preview, but mm -hmm. I think it's a nice lineup to start with. Well, it's been a great, great presentation so far on all the great NX products. What else you got for us? Is there anything else that you wanted to show so us? I'll show you one last thing, which is a nice little... Nice little icing on the cake. 
Okay. So, you know, a lot of our consoles actually require you to have cartridges. Um, it might be a little hard to find a lot of the more popular games. So what we're going to actually start doing is cooperating with some of the companies that provide us many of the great games for the generations. Mm-hmm. And we're going to reproduce the cartridges again. Nice. So you can see we have the Super Nintendo, the NES, it's planned for the Game Boy, possibly some Genesis games, but there are multiple games in one. So 10-1, 22 one that's still being worked on. But once again, it takes away some of the legwork of trying to find these great games. But if they do want to find these great games, Retro City Games here in Las Vegas, Nevada will do the trick. But I see for people that, that might not have as easy access, it definitely is a great alternative indeed. You can look at it. All right, see you guys. Uh, While well, well, security is going after Chris, I uh, just wanted to say thank you again, Christopher, for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, we are once again at the NX, NX booth right here at CES 2017. We appreciate so much you taking the time to visit with us and being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. For Chris Bonner, this is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be talking to you real soon. To see the entire lineup of products from NX and Retro Big Gaming, Check out their sites today at nx.com and retro-bit, that's retro-bit.com. Right now we have a taste of the Double J Filmcast coming soon to Humanican Media and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So would you have liked to see a Bioshock film? I mean, if they make one in the future, would you go watch it? I would watch it, but I would have them try to distance themselves as much as they can from the video game because the video game itself is now is now almost 10 years old so if you're going to try and relate so much of it to the video game the casual audience isn't going to remember that it's based off a video game and they're just going to find the stigma that it's a video game based movie you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials for the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture head on over to our brand new site www dot popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and we're back with the final segment of the day this is the pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source and i'm here with my good friend josh peterson the author of vendetta dark and the upcoming congratulations you suck the director of ghost toasters and all the various things he's doing in humanican media check it out on humanican media facebook and youtube so uh it's it came across our desk a few days ago that that there's going to be a another star wars novel out that's actually part of the canon as far as the new revitalized canon that is the star wars and vision universe at this time so when we talk about it the the latest book that's coming out is going to be called star wars aftermath that is the latest book that's coming out it's called star wars aftermath empires and it's going to come out very shortly and yes, while it does uh, detail as far as the the conclusion of a trilogy, it's it's going to be set in between the events of the Return of the Jedi and also the Force of the Awakens. But the thing that's gotten out most to people, as far as from a media standpoint, is it also tells what happened to Jar Jar Binks. He is the most polarizing character within the Star Wars universe, without a doubt. Yes, he has not been been given a lot of love by a lot of individuals, but it does seem that he was given somewhat of a a story, even though it's not a happy one in the Star Wars aftermath, because it tells in the story that it is discovered that he has become nothing more than a street clown 
with him just performing for kids and whatnot. And it comes out, he admits, because he is is just very distraught over what he did and the mistakes he made, especially uh, giving the order to to give Palpatine more power. So, Josh, I ask you this in in the face of of learning the the fate of the Jar Jar Banks universe. When you first heard that news, what exactly went through your mind as far as hearing about the fate of Jar Jar Binks. You know, and I, I think that he was one of those characters when he was created by George Lucas, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with him. They needed comedic relief. And then, you know, they're like, oh crap, I got to carry this guy across two more films. It's, so besides that, I, I, I think, I hope he gets, you know, I hope he has a, a decent ending. If Even if like he dies, you know, of old age or something, I hope that they don't like, I just I hope he doesn't get murdered because despite all like the bad tidings towards Jar Jar Binks, I don't want to see him beheaded or something. So I, I'll have to read the book. I'm curious now. I think he needs at some point in time in the Star Wars universe, whether it's a cartoon, whether it's film or a book, to be given some redemption because I really think they have not treated his character very well. So I'm hopeful for something good for him, even though I personally don't like him. I, I don't think don't dislike him to the point where I wanted to see something like that, where he ends up at a street club. Cause I think that's just like a throwaway line that they put in there. If that's just entirely the case, but you're going to have to read the book and find out more that star Wars aftermath. that's coming out very soon. Want to check it out to find out exactly what has happened to Jar Jar Banks. So uh, thank you again, Josh, always a uh, good co-hosting with you. If you have any questions, check us out. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter. You want to like us and follow us there so you get the latest pop culture news. We put it all right there for you. Or if you have a question, send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So for Josh Peterson of Humanica Media, this is Gerald Glassford. We're both from Pop Culture Cosmos, and we truly appreciate everyone being out there and being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's another beautiful day in paradise. Thank you so much for delving into the pop culture cosmos. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode as the Double J Filmcast returns with the latest film news. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Enjoy! And welcome to another episode of the Double J Podcast. I'm joined, I'm your host, Josh. And I am joined by the not-so-J, but J for the sake of this podcast, Gerald. How's it going, man? 
All right. But you, like I said, you just call me Jerry. That's okay. We discussed that on the last program. Uh, It's great to be back. Um, Tell Justin he can, you know, stay on that sick leave. It's okay. (laughs) No, he's he's probably enjoying it. So, you know, there's there's a union. So he just kind of, I'm the supervisor. I just kind of watch him work and all that. So, as long as I don't have to pay dues. All right. Well, uh, let's see. There's, you know, there's a lot happening in the movie world this week, but not, you know, nothing super amazing. There's no earth shattering uh, things, but don't that doesn't mean you shouldn't stay tuned because they're yeah, oh, going to talk about hey. some good stuff. Yeah, but first, I, I, I just I feel like I need to ask this, Gerald. What have you seen lately? That's any good. Oh my gosh, that's any what, good. What have you seen that's not good? Let, let's 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 go both sides of the spectrum there. Well, the arrival, I did not poo-poo on it as much as you have. Uh, let's put that for record. I, I recently saw that, like I said, uh, on last week's program. And while I don't think it's best picture quality, because we you know, you and I both know the Oscars are right around the corner. I don't think it is as uh, bad as you say, but I also don't think it's as good as everybody likes it either because I think it just, it everything transpired too slowly. Um, and then while it does have the neat little twist that's out there as far as how the movie evolves. and the- Is it a twist though? It's yeah. kind of, okay, let me ask you this. When you walked into the theater and you saw the first few minutes of it, and then you get like maybe 30 minutes into the movie. Were, were you like, okay, something like something's going to happen. Like it's almost predictable in the way that it's delivered. Uh, but as far as the time shifts uh, for me, as far as the shifting, as far as what she's, what the flashbacks are in the film and flash forwards and all those things, uh, the way they were placed, basically what it did is it took the standard way of doing film with a flashback or a flash forward and basically chopped it up in little pieces and like spread it out all over the film. And if you're not paying close enough attention, yeah, you're not going to be able to pick it up at the very beginning or in the middle. And then you're just like surprised at the end. But like you said, obviously you, you caught on real quick to where it was going and where it was heading. Uh, Me, as far as just watching it casually, uh, around the halfway point where, where I started realizing that what was going on as far as the different time frames are concerned. And I'm not, I'm trying to be generalistic, no spoilers now. Sorry. Cause I know it's still in the theaters technically. Uh, so I just will say this, like it just transpired the whole thing on a very slow rate for me. That was just, it, and it never really picked up enough for my satisfaction. I didn't like the fact that they didn't, delve into the aspect of, of anywhere around the world. I would have been interested into seeing what was going on in China, what was going on in other parts of the world with the other entities that you, as you know, in the commercials and the trailer that you see are parked all around the world and how they dealt with, with those uh, you know, aliens as well. That would have been nice to, to see indeed. My big thing, it wasn't even, it's not the twist and it's not the politics of it. It's the the concept of what they were here to give us. What a crappy gift. Who would want to see that? That is my, like, if someone came up to you and said, hey, Gerald, let me tell you the exact moment of your death and how it's going to happen. Would you say, okay, yeah, tell me. 
Well, if I can try and avoid it, yeah, I will just say on X amount of day, X amount of time, and you're going to do this here. And then I would just say, okay, well, I will try not to be there because uh, it doesn't, the, if they're giving you the option to see again, spoilers that are out there, sorry, don't listen for the next few couple minutes. And if they're giving you this gift of, of trying to, see as far as into the future or look into your past and and see different realms as far as how does that lay out and tells you okay this is what's going to happen to you then uh, it's kind of cheating in a way but hey uh, if i if i'm told that then i probably try to to avoid it and try and change that that future as best as i could okay so let me ask you this from an objective standpoint they say that time travel is the one of the biggest cop outs in storytelling, and you know the 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 Flash series on the CW is good, and they do it well. But that's like the entire series revolves around that. But how do you think Arrival handled it? Well, again, like I said, they just basically used it like a you know like like putting Parmesan cheese on a pizza and just like put it out there. And just sprinkled it in all different kinds of time frames, and they just threw it all over the place. And it ended up being, you know, you're seeing a flash forward from this scene, you're seeing a flashback from that scene, then you're seeing what you think is real time in, in one scene. And it just did not, it didn't jive or, or to me, be cohesive enough to, I lost interest in it. Um, almost not to the point where we're girl on a train, because that was really bad. Uh, they, that that was just a, that was just a point where they just did it in a fashion that they had this neat trick in Girl on the Train as far as those flash forward and flashback scenes and really not for not really didn't work out for me very well because of the way they let out and this one Arrival they didn't do it much better because it just really the lost interest as far as what was going on in the now as far as when she was dealing with the aliens directly. Right, right. So as an alien flick, were you expecting more out of it? Like a, a lot of people were comparing it to maybe uh, the same kind of crisis situations as like Independence Day. What what were you expecting when you went into it? I, it was not anywhere near an Independence Day. Now, Independence Day was over the top and cheesy and bombastic and something Michael Bay would love. But it was still like a, uh, a okay popcorn flick. Um, even the latest Independence Day that came out uh, last year, uh, that, again, it was even worse than the original, but it still had some sort of popcorn flavor you could sit through and, okay, it's a thrill ride, we get it, okay, maybe it's a little bit bombastic and over top but and, and has your eye rolling from time to time, but at least it's got a flow and an action uh, to it that, that help keeps you into the moment from from time to time whereas with the arrival i just saw so i saw no sense of danger uh, i don't the the individuals and the government were were obviously afraid and in reality we would be afraid for various reasons but i just as an audience we are not sympathetic to what's going on because it just did not seem that they were making the aliens any threat at all even though the government itself was very afraid by it. And you just don't believe the government being afraid by it because they were just presented as 
as literally just just a docile race. And that's where all of the politics come in. But that's a whole other podcast right there. And then also check out your review on it on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So if you want all the words in writing about how Josh at the time felt about it and felt about how the reviewers loved it and felt about those reviewers loving it, you want to check out popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. See, you're a much better co-host than Justin. Like with you, I don't even have to plug my own stuff. I, you, you just do it for me, which is nice. Well, it was good because I read it. Uh, it's an actually, uh, it's a very good piece. Whether you agree or don't agree, which, you know, a lot of people are doing these days on various things, at least it's very well thought out and very well written where you can you can understand your point of view on why you don't like it. So if somebody is an ardent uh, supporter of the movie, they can at least understand your point of view and then respond back to you in kind with their thoughts in a respectable fashion. Exactly. Exactly. See, it's, it's all about debate. It's, it's all about uh, polite debate, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Um, okay. Well, let's take a look at the news today or not today, but this past week we have, Sam Worthington is back in the news, and it's probably it's been a really long time because all he's been wrapped up in is Avatar stuff recently. And speaking of Avatar, this is what well, that's he's... because his career went in the toilet. And... Hey, and he's I, been waiting for an Avatar. I like Sam Worthington though. Like I can think of a whole lot. Anytime I'm like hearing them casting something in Marvel, I'm like, you know who would play that really well is sam worthington but it's just like this okay we all know he did avatar ed gray it did great you know buko you know props to his uh agent here we go again me propping an agent but he got those roles in the terminator movie he got the roles in the clash movie where he was lead he was making lots of money great great but then you saw the the diminishing returns going down going down goes from star to a co-star, to a supporting cast. Is that in Heartbreak Ridge supporting cast, correct? Correct. So there you go. Um, now, now hopefully this will reignite his career, you know, playing in 15,000 straight Avatar movies. That'd be great. But from there, it's just, it's just so hard to stay on top if you don't get the right roles. Yes, you go for the cash as far as if we were go for the cash, we were in that situation, but trying to stay in that very higher upper echelon and have those choices. I mean, Chris Pratt, you know, he's been able to do very well since even passengers, notwithstanding, he's been able to do very well as far as uh, staying at that level to keep his name status. So none of the Marvel characters have really been able to do that, uh, that have, you know, you know, talk about Chris Evans, talk about Hemsworth, whatnot. When they try to branch out, they don't do very well. You, you can name it right now. It's just there's not that many bankable names in this business. And Sam, you know, was an individual that for at least for a little while could sell a movie. Yeah, I mean, with him, I think it's your typical Taylor Kitsch situation where the actor the actor has potential to be really good, but I think it's just the writing. Like a lot of the movies I've seen Sam Worthington in, I didn't – sorry – well, Sam Worthington, you know, like, like I said, his his choices. You go for the big money, you go for the big money, and and 
I can't blame him. You know, if we were in that situation, um, it's, it's, you got to do what you got to do. So I don't blame him at all for doing it. I just, I just know that when you do that, things like that is you got to pay a price. And unfortunately the cause of diminishing returns was just that you have to keep going. I do want to make a correction though. Robert Downey Jr. has had some success with the Sherlock Holmes movies outside of the Iron Man films. Now, mind you, he's had some issues uh, as far as diminishing returns with due date. And then there's the one where he did with his dad with Robert, Robert Duvall, uh, which was a, which was a good movie. Uh, Did you see it? No, I didn't. Uh, Like I said, it, it didn't move the needle. That's why, you know, I'm sure I'll be seeing it on cable very soon, but it's it's not something that that actually did very well at the box office. The choice it makes, but still, if you were to make another Sherlock Holmes movie, it would still be good enough to to make a nice little profit. True, fair enough, and and Benedict Cumberbatch is also. Up yeah, there. I, I, now now and now you should have to include him into that Marvel universe. Okay, let's. Let's put him on that realm and see how well. How many movies has he carried so far? Just one. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, which one did he carry? If you're saying Doctor Strange, that's that's the only one he's been in. So he, he, you know, there's not a lot of like everyone. He's been either a co-star into Darkness. He wasn't the you know he wasn't the draw. Oh, the, the name Star Trek was the draw. The Imitation Game. That was that one. Didn't that one win him a, a bunch of awards? Yeah, uh, that did as far as from an acting standpoint, but as far as from a bank home, let me check that out while you're doing it. But I don't think it did, you know, buku bucks on it. But I can, I may be wrong, and I, I'll correct myself on air while, while you're uh, going on to the next subject. All right. Well, okay. Back to Sam Worthington. He came out and said that Avatar Two will be a family saga, and they're about to start uh, putting that together. He said the film will take place eight years after the first one and will focus on his offspring. Uh, James Cameron has just finished the script for Avatar 5, and the films are set to be released in December of 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2023. So my question to you, Gerald, is do you think that planning four Avatar sequels based solely on the success of the first film is a good idea? And the answer to, uh, as far as the imitation game, it made $233 million worldwide. And obviously, it, even though there's no, been no reported budget for it, I could say it probably made a nice little profit. So I will stand correct on that. But he is not by himself at this point in time, even though he's an excellent actor. And I really like watching his stuff. I can sell a movie 100% on his own. Maybe he's better now in place now he can, but, but uh, than before. Um, now that he's had Doctor Strange in his back pocket. So we'll see. And the Sherlock Holmes TV shows, he's done very well with that as well. So in your que- your question regarding Avatar, if I'm the studio, it's hard to say because, you know, James Cameron has a, you know, he has a history. He has that track record. And I'm sure he is helping in some form or fashion to finance the movies as far so, so that it can get done because it will probably lead to bigger returns if they make that kind of money. Again, this is something we've talked about before on the podcast because of the, the podcast I've talked with you about it. I've talked with Rob McCallum about it as far as the diminishing returns of avatar, as far as the pop culture 
license that you can continually go to and understand and and remember and remember fondly. I know there's going to be a Avatar Land at Disney World coming soon and that they're devoting a, a good portion to it, but is there too much of a time frame lost so that people will get interested again? We've seen over the past couple of years, uh, especially where where franchises, movie franchises, have come back with a long-awaited sequel, quote-unquote, and the, the people just have did not go to the movies to see it. Uh, that's, that's something I've seen as a trend the past couple of years as far as movies are concerned. Uh, I think it, the second one will tell the tale as far as people, if they want to go back to it. Even if, I, but I still think it's the same as Rogue One. If it does half of it, what are you talking about? One, almost two billion? I'll take that. You know, I don't think it will do that. I think an Avatar two may may still do over a billion dollars. And if that's the case, I'll, if if you're going to give a movie company that that much cloud as far as a billion dollar movie in its pocket, I think it's okay to go ahead and and okay all the rest of those movies based on the previous success of the 2.8 billion. Because like I said, if, even if it goes down by half, even the first time out, you're still talking about a $2 billion franchise. And if it goes down half again, you're still talking about a $1 billion franchise for the third one. And the other two would probably, you know, go maybe uh, seven, 800 million after that. So I'd take it. Why not? They'll cost three hundred million each, but I'll do it. Why not? Because I, I I don't hate Avatar, and I like it. Maybe I don't, I don't it, either. But it's not something I went. I saw it. It's all blue. The special effects were cutting edge at the time. It was great. Um, I really, really love Stephen Lang's performance in it. That is the movie to me. His evilness. He is one of the, that was one of the best bad guy performances of this century, as far as films are concerned. And I, people don't laugh at me when I say that. When they actually look at the movie, the acting itself, the story itself, yeah, it's 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 nice. It tells a feel good story and all that. But nobody really cares until Stephen Lang comes up there and just, you know, as an actor, chews that scenery with his evil, you know, hoo 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 ha, uh, twirling almost if he had twirling his mustache as he was doing it. Instead, he was drinking a coffee and saying, "Let's go home by breakfast," you know, breakfast and whatnot. So, uh, and get this done and destroy their land. So. And he was relishing in the performance as far as from from the standpoint of how good he was he was in that role. And now that you don't have him anymore, spoilers for an eight-year-old movie, uh, it's kind of, to me, he was the most interesting character. So now I will be going into, into it even less interested than I was before because I'm not into Sam Worthington's character. I'm going to be honest with you. Sigourney Weaver, who is the only other one that actually had a decent character in the film, she's... You know, they her say character, her back. character. They what say, they say they resurrected her. Okay, well then there you go. Um, but still, that's that's. I, I mean, I'm sure I will go see it. I predict the kids, whatnot, if it's still allowable. Although it's pretty violent, the last one. Um, I, I guess I guess say it's it's okay to go, but I'm not going to go. I don't, I don't think the the audiences out there are not. They're not. It's not Star Wars, it, I, and this is something again I talked about with, with Rob with Star Wars. It's just not going to appeal to a large audience 
in the way that that they don't have the fondness for it that that they do of Star Wars. They'll go see it. They'll go see it in mass. But it, Avatar is the kind of movie at this point. It's a, it's a type of pop culture identity that you can go see it and then you instantly forget about it. And that's maybe over the long haul not the kind of identity you want. Right. And that's, that's what I was getting at. It was that a lot of people who I've talked to about the movie, the first one, they is a visual feast to them. They'll, they just, that all of them agree that it's a visual feast and they went to see it because they were more curious about it than anything else. But I asked them if they remember anything from the story and they're like, they don't even remember there being a story, Harley, you know, they remember the, the key moments, uh, Sigourney Weaver dying, uh, the Stephen Lang, uh, the fight with Stephen Lang and the, uh, you know, the big battle sequences, but they don't remember enough about it to really show that they were into the, the writing of it. So it, it's just, it, this, it's an interesting creature to me because it's not, it's the sequel is really going to tell whether or not the next three are going to be, you know, hits or misses with audiences. And that's the thing because technology now that they used in the original avatar what is now pretty much we've seen it you know we see it on any big budget movie that's out there we see it with the star wars movies that have come out since then that type of you know cutting edge technology is no longer cutting edge so when we see the next avatar is it going to be interesting and compelling enough is it going to be a visual feast that we're looking for? And I'm not even sure if it's going to be that as well. It's just going to be something that everybody's going to be seeing for a while. And because it's avatar and then, you know, they may have it as a Blu-ray coming down the line or an HD Blu-ray to, to make sure they can test out all the colors on their HD TV, the 4k that they got the ultra HD with the, you know, the, the high res imaging. And that's pretty much, it you know it's just like i said it just will not leave that lasting footprint you really want to leave like star wars does right exactly um all right so next in the news we have gore verbinski is actually having a very difficult week Uh, he didn't have a great weekend either yeah he's uh a cure for wellness is out and it's not doing so great it's actually currently number 10 in the box office but you know, he did shed. Do you remember when they were talking back in 2008? They're talking about a Bioshock movie. Yes, I remember that. And, and, you know, Ken Levine was taunting it quite a bit at the time. Yes. And they, they pulled the plug on it and nobody really explained why. It was kind of had a few news articles on it that were less than a paragraph. And then we never heard anything about it again. So he finally, during the premiere for A Cure for Wellness, uh, was asked by a reporter about what happened to the film. And he said the plug was pulled eight weeks prior to being made. So this was back when it was a risky ticket, I guess, to make a rated R movie. So Universal wasn't sure. Is Universal? Yes, Universal wasn't sure about the the R rating. And they didn't know if because of the R rating, if they wanted to dump that much money into creating this entire universe of uh, Rapture which would have been fantastic to see on screen, but uh, I agree. Yeah. And it was basically, so what turned them off of the film was the combination of the price tag and the rating. So it's one of those films. It's kind of like uh, when Microsoft tried to sell the rights to halo, 
nobody wanted to take a risk on it because Microsoft wanted so much of the profits and there's that big stigma with video game uh, video game based movies so nobody really wanted to take that risk do you remember that I do and Steven Spielberg was once uh, attached to the project and that's pretty much when they decided they were going to go to that made for almost like TV but made for their basic video game audience through the Xbox that's when they made those you know self-contained films not the films for for theatrical release, mind you, but the the t- the the video series that they that they launched, um, which didn't do so well. It was really looked kind of bad uh, on both occasions that they tried to do it. The first one was a little bit better than the second time they tried to attempt to do it, but it, they both didn't quite meet up to everybody's desire to to have a Halo on the big screen. Sorry, Master Chief over there, but. Um, it was to me. It was just a, a very disappointing thing to see when when they finally pulled the plug on it. Because, like you said, yeah, Microsoft wanted you know their hands in the too much in the kitty. It was just disappointing to see that that uh, all came down like it did. But not surprising. Not surprising in the least. It, you know, it was Microsoft. So, would you have liked to see a Bioshock film? Well, I mean, if they make one in the future, would you go watch it? I. I I would watch it, but I would have them try to distance themselves as much as they can from the video game because the video game itself is now is now almost 10 years old. So if you're going to try and relate so much of it to the video game, people, the casual audience isn't going to remember that it's based off a video game and they're just going to find the stigma that it's a video game-based movie. If you make it now or sometime in the future, just try and create it on its own morals and its own strengths with maybe some hints and some ties, small ties to the video game, but you don't want to do anything really overt as far as that anymore because the Bioshock series is right now in a state of flux at best. Most consider it dead and gone. I'm thinking it will still revive itself at some point in time. But yeah, Bioshock, if it were to come out as a movie, I would... I would try to make it stand on its own laurels and not try to, to like Assassin's Creed, have it you know, trying to tie itself so closely to the video game audience. Right. It's kind of like the uh, Silent Hill. That, that's what I would have imagined it being like. You had your gamers who love the video games, and then you had people going and expecting it to be this elaborate horror movie, and it's just got too many tie-ins that they don't understand. See the Resident Evil movies, you know, I know we bash them all day long and they're, you know, critically they're they're not very thought of, but it's made over a billion dollars as a series. Why? I mean, cuz it it's tried to do its own thing uh but still have some ties within the, you know, the the Resident Evil universe like the T-Virus, Raccoon City, um you know, some of the characters or whatnot, but it really doesn't feel like it's it's a Resident Evil, it, it really doesn't feel like it's having to tie itself down to the Resident Evil game. You look at all the you know, the movies in the series and whatnot, it just does not feel like they had to tie themselves down to the video game series. And you almost forget that these characters are from the video game series when you watch them on screen because it they're so very loosely tied to their actual video game counterparts. And if Bioshock were to come on screen, I think that that's the route they should go. Yeah, because, well, I mean, that would be an easy route for them just because there's not a lot of characters in Bioshock. You know, we have Alice Ryan, but he's really the only 
thing that holds the franchise together. Um, okay, uh, next in news we have Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, is not going to appear in the Predator sequel. Were you hoping for that? Get to the chopper! It, it, it would have been a great little piece of, like, you know, f- fan service, but I... The other movies were okay without him. You know, we don't know, but you don't see anyone. Busy. He's too busy pushing Mobile Strike. Well, I'm sorry. And his, you know, Celebrity Apprentice thing too. Which uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been monitoring the ratings. You've been talking to the TV ratings guys. Uh, how, how's that doing currently? Um, it's not what it once was as the, uh, you know, individual that sits in the White House constantly loves to tell people. Um, it's not what it once was rating ratings wise, but it's, it's still on the air for now. So I guess you could say that's something. So do you think that, uh, Arnold is going to make a bid for president after a few seasons of this? He's well, no, he's unfortunately not eligible to do so. So, oh, yes, that's right. Yes. He, he cannot, especially he now <laughs> he, when, when he was California governor, he, he had, uh, made some inklings, I believe, from my understanding that he was supposed to, you know, going to try and see if that, that could be curtailed so that he could make a run. Uh, but no, it never came to fruition. But, uh, he, you know, th- there was that thought. He did have the, the desire. I can, I'm pretty sure I can tell you as a fact that, that the, okay, well, no, I'm sorry, facts. You know, you say it's, can't say that these days. So I can say it's fake news, but I'm pretty sure that he had a very good inkling when he was governor of California that he wanted to take that next step. So Boyd Hallbrook, who is starring in the film, uh, he has said that Boyd Hallbrook, I don't know. I'm sure we'll know him soon if the movie's ahead. So yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. We do know who Shane Black is though. So, you know, predator, it sounds like it's in good hands. He, uh, well, that Let's all see. depends, you know, who's Boyd Hallbrook, you know, that if, again, sometimes I know there's not too many individuals that can carry their name with their, their movie. I get that, but people still have to have some type of name recognition when it comes to, comes to these, these bigger budget, larger budget features. Am I wrong in that? No, you're, you're, you're definitely right. He, I mean, I don't know what else he's been in. Like, I, I don't, I haven't really done a lot of research on him, but it has, if you have to go to IMDB, then, then there's a problem there. There's a problem. But if you look at the supporting cast, so he has Olivia Munn, uh, Keegan, Michael key from key and peel. He has Thomas Jane from the Punisher. And I, I'm not sure who the other two are, but the, Thomas I mean, the, Jane should have been the one that he should have been the lead. That's what I was thinking. I mean, maybe he's a little bit over the hill now, Maybe he's not, not doing, you know, the, those, those type of movies in that fashion. A lot of stuff he does goes direct to video. I get that these days, but you know, he is a, a bigger name in the industry as far as that might be able to do it. But then again, this may be a hot actor that we don't know about yet, but we'll know soon by the time the Predator movie comes out. Hey, you know, Thomas Jank, you blame got to make that paycheck. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. But my question to you before we move on to the next topic is, do you think so? The Predator franchise has had its ups and downs over the years. Let, let's not talk about Danny Glover. Um, do you think that this? I will- like Predator too. I'm sorry, I like Predator too. Okay, okay. I've got a great Predator two story. Okay, 
Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to hear it. But my here, but go let, answer your question. I mean, you're you're you're, you're, you're on it, so let let's talk about Predator Two story. I'm I'm curious. I didn't know if you wanted to go on it, so I don't don't forget your question though. Okay, I don't well, want to throw you off track. I don't want to throw you completely off the rails. It's written down right here, so okay, because this is a Double J podcast. So yes, I want to make okay. sure. Well, again, uh, for those people that are old enough, and unfortunately, I qualify the um, the Predator Two was one of the first movies to hit the cinema, to my knowledge, recollection, and I'm not looking this up, I'm not Googling it, this is going off my brain, that instituted really Dolby Pro Logic as far as Dolby surround sound experience. And yes, there's been the, you know speakers in the back of theaters and the front of theaters for a while, but they really couldn't give you that full surround sound-like experience, that full digital surround sound experience you know in earlier days 70s 80s whatnot it wasn't until right around the time was it lady early 90s 1989 90-ish whatnot i went predator 2 came out can you look that up i'm sorry for dolby digital no for predator 2 thank you uh-huh. so predator 2 comes out it's, it's the first movie i i actually sat in the theater for it's one of the first to my knowledge that came out 1990 1990 see did I did I call it? it yeah, yeah. It. So uh, if it was one of the first that came out, that to my knowledge, and I sat down with my with this uh, with my friend, and and we're sitting in there in the theater, and we're watching it, and I, it's actually not that bad of a movie. To me. And you know, it does have Bill Paxton, has a lot of uh, recognizable names, Ruben Blades, and whatnot, has a lot of recognizable names. It made it for a for a decent flick. Okay, the story gets a little hokey and whatnot, especially the ending. I get it. But to actually be in there and for the first time hear that surround sound experience where everything's zipping by from the back, you know, through your through the back of your head and to the side, left, right, boom. And I'm just and and the theater was so kind to make sure they turned it up to eleven well, instead of one out of ten, which you know made it even more just like uh, well, I can't hear now, but back then it was really cool. So you got this whole experience going around in surround sound cinema, boom, 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 whatnot. And I just thought, man, I said, this is just some awesome. Could you hear? Stuff. Could you hear Gary Busey's spittle flying out of his mouth as he was talking? Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, even when he started screaming as he was about to meet his end, the in that icebox uh, scene there. So yes. That's correct. Uh, he was just his spittle was, you know, flying away, and you could actually hear it all in in beautiful Dolby surround sound. So I I turned over to my friend. And I said, "This is some really awesome, you know, blankety blank stuff, isn't it, man?" And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And he says, "I mean," and and I said that, and and I turned over to him as I said that, and he was asleep. It's the one of the loudest <laughs> movies I've ever been in. One of the loudest experiences, and I, like I said, one of the first experiences in the theater with Dolby surround. And people know now these days they take it for granted. And, and you know, we can go to Best Buy or we can go to a local stereo shop and get that same experience. But back then, it was really neat. And he's asleep. Hey, some people fall asleep in loud noise. I fall asleep to screamo music. So it's just everyone has their thing i guess i fall asleep after i listen to the pop culture cosmos podcast and the pcc multiverse about 10 times in a row and what what time are those shows on and what days um the pop culture cosmos show is on every monday night 7 30 p.m 
Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network. It's the number two program overall and the number one show on Monday night. And the PCC Multiverse, the latest addition to the pop culture cosmos scene, it is available on the Podcast Radio Network at 4 p.m. Eastern and, excuse me, 4 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network. And also you can download those on eight different audio formats and that's just you know and if you do you usually get a bonus thrown in there too like the show hey there it is yep 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 cheap plug thank cheap you plug. hey yes. you know, but yeah. i was just you know i'm like man this is some, some awesome and then he's asleep so i don't know you know you just so people. i have i have a soft spot in my heart for predator too and Bill Paxton's wine, yo man, no, he took that from Anal. His his aliens character pretty much put it over into the Predator too. We're screwed, man. Hey, Bill Paxton's a man. There you go. Even today. Even today. Even today. Yes. Even okay. training day. Tra- Ooh. Um, all right, back to my question though. My question is, do you think that this new Predator, this soft relaunch of Predator, they're trying to kind of do what Prometheus did for the alien franchise is in try to start something new, but also have it expand on the mythology at the same time. You know how we kind of got like a soft little reboot with Prometheus. Well, we also got a soft little Ruth uh, reboot with predators. If you remember that, that came out three, four, uh, four years ago, four, five, four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago. I think if you remember, do you remember? Is something like that, but I I liked Predators, but I don't like how the same the movies are the same over and over and over. Like with Prometheus, I like that they expanded on the mythology of all of it. But so what I'm hoping for with this new Predator movie is that they kind of expand on the Predators and like where they come from, what motivates them, what how do they become just hunters and and go after all these different races and you know, treat it like sporting game uh, and whatnot. You want that aspect of it. Exactly. Get like, you know, put some meat on the film. Instead of just, you know, instead of just all these individuals telling you that they go and do what they do and have it seen from their perspective, uh, just like in Predators where, you know, um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, was it Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, he was the that crazy was guy in the ship. Yeah. Yeah, that was telling Aiden Quinn, uh, you know, about their their history and whatnot. And then in back previous, you know, others telling about, let it be from their perspective. If they do that, that would be different. And that would be kind of cool. I might, I don't know, I like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry. It's hokey. That's a pretty spot on uh, impression of the laser beam. Yeah, the original one was really hokey, but it's just, that's just, it was just fun. It's classic. Yes. It's classic. Yes. Yeah, I love the classics. Get to the chopper. To the chopper. Yes. All right. Next topic of conversation Lionsgate is working on a new Robin Hood movie. And before we go into detail about this, let me, uh, that you was saw, my head hitting the floor. Yeah, you saw Rid- the Ridley Scott Robin Hood, which was actually really good. Do you think that we need another Robin Hood? It seems like a lot of this is like unnecessary retelling. Is it a retelling of Robin Hood Men in Tights? 
No, no, no. It's the same exact story <laughs> as Ridley Scott's. Like, it, Robin Hood comes back from the Crusades, and, you know, things aren't the way he wants, like, the, you know, the, the greed and corruption. This is the, the film is being directed by, uh, what's the guy's name? Otto Bathurst. I don't know what is else. Is it a reboot of Robin Hood Men in Tights? No. Then there you go. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah, um, well, uh, I. If it's any, it, I'll tell you what. If it's like the Ridley Scott one, which wasn't bad at all, you liked it. I thought it was okay. In fact, it was just on the other day on TV. Yeah, that's not not a problem. If it's the Kevin Costner one that was overly cheesy, uh, I don't know about that. But if it was like the Ridley, if it is like the Ridley Scott one, why make it? <laughs> why don't we just go back and watch the Ridley Scott one? People have, you know, people are hoping that you, you know, every 10 years they can refresh those familiar characters and, and see if they can get something out of it. I mean, 10 years from now, they'll try another two Hercules movies again after they both didn't meet the expectations. You know, 10 years from now, they'll they'll go after another Santa Claus movie just to, you know, see if they can do it. Every 10, 15, 20 years, they seem to recycle these old traditional characters, like another Snow White movie, you know, they can they'll try to see if they can go ahead and, and, and do that again. It's just every 10, 15, 20 years, they just think they can go ahead and and con a new audience into watching those films. And and I don't think it's gonna this time it's gonna pay off. Hollywood and their feds. I do I am kind of you know, I not excited, but like I'm curious to see uh Taron Egerton in the role of Robin Hood. He was good in Kingsman. I just I think I want to see him in something else, see how good he might be. But I bring up this topic because in an interview, uh, Otto Bather said, to be honest, when this film was first offered to me, I turned it down immediately. The world doesn't need another Robin Hood film, as we said. Uh, we've had enough. But when I started to look into it and investigate this man and the legend and the story seem more relevant today than it has ever been. For me, making a film is about reflecting on what's going on at the moment to bring back something to humanity, to society. So he went on to say, basically it's going to be a, a, a political piece. So it's going to be like a, a rival, I guess we we're talking about would be a good example. Um, Ryan Murphy, the creator of American horror story said in an interview this week that the next season is going to be on this year's election. So by the time Trump is done in office, I get people hate him. That's whatever. But do you think the entertainment industry is going to be so oversaturated with anti-Trump, anti-right-wing you know, right wing, uh, entertainment pieces? Liberal, as far as you can Liberal, say yeah. Liberal pieces that people are going to just be kind of not burnt out on it, but just not in the mood to go watch it. Because if I want politics, I'm going to open up Facebook and just look at my newsfeed and just depress the hell out of myself, you know? I agree with you. That's... People are going to get sick of it really fast, both from the right and the left. It's going to be the same story. Something comes out that's going to lean heavily toward the left as far as its message and opinion. People from the right are going to argue about it and cry foul and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. People on the left may support it for a little while, but after a while, there's too many films. It's just it's like anything if there's too many films trying to say the same message. And in, in Hollywood where it's it's very liberal, it's very left left wing as far as that's concerned you're going to get that you're going to see that probably within you know the next few months to a year you're going to see that type of imagery it's going to get old after a while and it's going to be the same thing somebody protests 
why not? Don't go see this film. Left, left does. Somewhere there's a happy medium. But then after a while, nobody's going to go see these films because they just, like you said, are tired of this message because they see it in the news. They see it on, they as soon as they click on the internet, they see it when they go to their social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. It's just, just all over the place. It's, it's, there's not going to be a great tolerance of going to see things with this with these same type of strong messages if they want to go to the movies to escape. Exactly. And I don't need to go in to see a movie and find another reason to like hate the person sitting next to me. It's just, it's, uh, it's just not good for people in general, but um, okay. And on, on to the, let's, let's talk about Logan real quick before we go on to box office numbers. Uh, Logan, I don't know if you've been reading the earlier reviews, but I, I haven't, I've been trying to stay away from the spoilers. I just read the headlines. That's all. I haven't opened up any of these articles because I don't want to know. But it has been getting fairly positive reviews with critics during early screenings, which is good considering that Fox was extremely worried about the R rating, and they've been vocal about that. But at the moment, it looks like it's paying off. Uh, It is. It's garnered excellent reviews so far. They say it's a great way. I I keep on seeing the same theme and that this is a great way to end the Wolverine franchise. Although, as I've said before on previous podcasts, if if 20th Century Fox and and Marvel and Disney could just just sit down for lunch one time, just if we can include one character in the Infinity Wars. Just do just do Wolverine. Just just let him borrow from like like just just for a couple movies, just like Spider Man is with Sony. It just be would awesome. It'd be awesome that that he would still be in the mix. And he has not entirely ruled out something that like that. He said he's retired from doing it full time. I get that, but if it was some scenario like that or something similar, he would not maybe say no to it. I know Patrick Stewart has said uh, clearly on the record that he is, it doesn't want to be done with his professor Xavier as of yet. So uh, I'm hoping that this, he's not done with this character entirely because I think it would be, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to fill those, you know, claws, I should say. So I would uh, say maybe, you know, go see him now because this is going to be the last time you see him in Wolverine, at least on a full time basis through a full movie, uh, anytime soon, if at all. Uh, but I, my hope's still high that that they can do something smart and try and see if they can work something out with Marvel and and maybe appear in the Infinity Wars, if not the first, then the second one in 2019. That was actually going to be my next question to you with like the if Logan is majorly successful, he's not, I don't see uh, Hugh Jackman hanging up the claws for good, especially since I know Ryan Reynolds is kind of bothering well, that, him about the Deadpool. Well, yeah. He, and he said he wouldn't be entirely opposed to doing Deadpool, especially the way, you know, he's obviously taking good fun the way, way Ryan Reynolds mocks Wolverine and his character so much, you know, in the previous Deadpool or whatnot. So, I would say maybe doing a, a cameo, uh, he would not be be against, but I don't think you would see him doing a full time thing gig uh, with the character again. I think he's 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 done with it because it takes a lot of work, I guess, for him to become that character as far as physical and whatnot. And and at his advancing age, maybe it's not as easy as it once was, and maybe that that's that's why. But 
I'm hoping, you know, he will do something in, in the Deadpool universe, but I'm also hoping that, that cooler heads would prevail and be able to do something in a larger Marvel universe as well. That would be rad. Okay, so we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will have some box office numbers for you, the good, the bad, and the... Uh, the wellness. And the wellness. Yes, correct. So uh, stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Double J podcast featuring Josh and Gerald. Let's uh, let's get into some box office numbers, huh? Would uh, would, you want to do the honors here of the first, uh, you know, few names on the list? Fair enough, indeed. Uh, Add number one for the weekend, and well, what's going to come in with a a big rally as far as for the the entire three-day weekend because i got to remember we got to play monday into it monday should be larger for for family audiences and whatnot um let's go with the the lego batman movie uh, and the lego batman movie is going to be winning out right now the estimates are uh for the the three-day weekend estimates going to be around 35 million dollars uh 50 shades darker still holding up uh a little better than its predecessor as far as from a percentage standpoint Money-wise, overall, no, it's not touching uh, the original. But the Fifty Shades Darker is is also uh, coming in at around twenty-one for the weekend. Let's uh, let's go with next with the highest new entry on the list, The Great Wall, uh, which I want to talk to you about. I want to get into that one here in a sec. That one came in around eighteen million dollars for the three-day weekend. And then also John Wick Chapter 2, that's coming in at about 16 and a half. That is held strongly. That is definitely uh, good news for John Wick fans out there like you and I. And then last uh, in the number five position, uh, Fist Fight, which was expected to do higher. So it was a slight disappointment for Warner Brothers. That came in at $12 million over the weekend. And it looks like uh, you'll be able to take it from here from number six through 10. Right. Uh, and let, let's talk about the great wall for a moment. Um, that's indeed because that uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what's the difference between the great wall and Warcraft? There isn't one. And that's that, that, yeah, that is the correct answer. That's the big thing with me because everyone is like, you know, they made a big deal out of the controversy that Matt Damon was a white man in an Asian film. And you know, he in the film he's not supposed to be Asian. Like he's a European who's come just to check out what's going on. But that that's that's another debate. But um, it doesn't bother people in China going to see the film. That's the thing. Exactly, exactly. And but people are going to see this movie. They're like, oh man, this movie's disappointing. What I don't know what what did they expect from it? You basically get. What was it? remember that movie that came out? This was maybe five or six years ago called Dragon Wars, which was really just about dragons attacking a city. That's what the Great Wall is. And that's but this set in time is obviously used, and I think the fact that it uses the Great Wall as its you know emphasis on it uh, kind of sets things in a different tone as far as okay, it's using this great wall that we all know is one of the great wonders of the world and and using it in a fashion to make a cheesy sci-fi flick or fantasy flick i should say 
Right. And that's, I, I don't know why people were expecting something big from this. Well, they I, were, I don't, I don't know why they were, I don't know how they could say expect something big outside because there was really not going to, they're all indications were that was not going to trend very well outside of the, of the Chinese audience. And they were pretty much banking on that audience and to their accountability, it's made a pretty good amount. It's garnered over $200 million internationally and, and it's going to have to do the best it can to to earn everything in China and the Far East because it's certainly not going to make much here, similar to what happened with Warcraft. Yeah, it's and on the flip side, it's the same thing. Like, uh, you know, when you make a like a kung fu movie, it doesn't do so well over here, but it ends up being really good over where it was released. So the Great Wall, it. I, I expect they'll make their money back from it, but at the same time, I don't know why people are people in America. I don't know why they're going into it expecting this big, uh, you know, this big thing. But it's not really what it is. It's just you get what you get from the trailers. Indeed, uh, I couldn't agree with you more than that. All right, so back to box office numbers. At no, I just I want to go through the back half because the last movie on the list is. Just something I want to touch on briefly. Um, Hidden Figures is at $7 million, bringing its total to $142.5 million. So that, that's been... That's a very... Again, like I said last week, that's a great job. I, I, I really think audiences should be you know, uh, pleased with, with the way the movie came out. It's, it's a very good movie. Deserves all the recognition and, and you know fan support you can get. And I, I think it really... Uh, really harkens back to to a great great uh, uh, time where there's a, people that support a movie with with very little fanfare that comes out that did not um, laud itself during the holiday season as a possible Oscar or whatnot yet manages to do so and not only top of that deals with with positive subjects it's a positive movie it, it's a good spirited movie and then also, ends up making nice a nice amount of money at the box office. Yeah, definitely. For something that was relatively unknown and still is kind of unknown to people, it it's packed a powerful punch in the box office. Um, coming at number seven, we have Split, which made $7 million this uh this week. And from what I understand, it's been, almost had a sequel greenlit. I know Disney and um, I don't know who produced this one. But Disney and whoever it was, uh, they they're trying to settle on a, you know, a contract. So in that Shyamalan, but Shyamalan, he 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 finances his own films. Yeah, but I mean the properties are owned. Like Unbreakable is owned by Disney. So in order for him to make the sequel to Split, which was supposed to be a sequel to Unbreakable, he needs to. They need to come to some sort of arrangement. So that but he doesn't can, he own the characters? He doesn't own he he owns the characters he's made uh, in Split, but he doesn't own he doesn't own the characters from Unbreakable. So he can't. But what about the scene, the bonus scene at the end, where he was given permission? Okay, from the studio to do it, he did. He doesn't have the rights to have them in an entire feature film. So that's that's a conversation. I imagine it's going to go through. I know Disney's greedy, but I imagine. Uh, there's still enough money to be made out of it to make it worth the while for both parties. Because Samuel L. Jackson has already stated uh, in interviews this week that he is very interested in reprising his Mr. Glass role. Right, right. And, and fans are eager to see it. I personally, I, I want to see it. I haven't seen Split yet, but I'll probably watch when it hits uh, on demand. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see an Unbreakable sequel. Uh, as am I, definitely, because I, I uh, remember that movie. It was, it was again, Shyamalan, he does have to have his twists and whatnot, but at least in Shyamalan's effort in, with with Unbreakable, it was something that, that a lot of people could get into. It was a very mellow twist yes. compared to most of his movies. You didn't realize it at first, but then it's like, oh, okay, I get but, it, but I can hang with it. And it wasn't one of those things you're mad at, like in the village. You didn't feel like cheated out of your twelve dollars. Um, all right, coming at number eight. or the happening where you know just the trees kept uh, controlling your mind. All I remember from that movie is the lawnmower, the guy trying to kill himself with the <laughs> yeah, lawnmower. I did too. That's the only scene that sticks out. Uh, okay, coming at number eight, we have a dog's purpose, five point five million dollars, totaling in at fifty point six million dollars. This movie is not doing so good, just because of all the controversy surrounding it, and rightly so. Uh, coming at number nine, we have La La Land, four point five that'll, that'll million. Teach you to treat your dogs nice. Yeah, seriously. It, it, any, anything you do, thanks to cell phones and social media, any like sin you commit is going to get out there somehow. So don't don't think that you know people shouldn't think that they're above it. It's just your sins will always come to life. Somebody with a cell phone somewhere is going to film you doing something bad, and it'll make it onto the internet eventually. Um. All right, so let's talk about number 10 on the list here. We have a cure for wellness making $4.2 million. Is this a bad sign for Mr. Verbinski? Well, it's a bad sign on projects that it's not have certain big budget connotations to it, such as, you know, well, where did he come from? You know, as far as the movies that he was making, um, the, the names that he was attached to, and then he goes ahead and goes into a cure for wellness and it wasn't a cure for wellness for sure. That was, it was a cure for, it was not a cure for, uh, it was not a cure for a good movie either. So um, unfortunately uh, it, it didn't work out for him. He needs to go back to Pirates of the Caribbean very, very quickly. <laughs> He's going to be tied to that franchise for the rest of his career. Uh, it's it's about the choices you make. We see in Hollywood, you know, you make those, a lot of times when you make, okay, let's say Ghostbusters, that which you, you know, you're directing, that becomes a humongous hit worldwide, $200 million plus, blah, 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 blah. And then instead of making a Ghostbusters sequel, you want to make um, a cure for failness. So you make that and, and because that's the movie you want to make, what you love doing as far as the art, art in you and whatnot, but nobody wants to see it but you're self-satisfied with the fact that you created something for yourself and what you wanted, but with a studio that's trying to back you with, with X amount of cash in order to do the film, they're not so happy. So obviously they're not happy. Cab horse tonight with the way a cure for wellness has done. So if Gore Verbinski looks to go ahead and do those type of films in the future, he better supplement them back with, with big budget blockbuster buster excuse me, big budget blockbuster features such as the ones we've seen him do with Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. And I think a lot of those artsy projects need, you know, to have a, before they do that movie, they need to do something corporate in order to get their money to make that. So it's, it's a vicious cycle. You make the money and then you spend it on something that doesn't do so well. And poor, uh, Dane Dehan, he's, uh, you know, he's about to be the next Sam Worthington. He was cast in amazing Spider-Man two. Didn't uh, didn't do what people wanted it to. Then he was in uh, 
what? Okay, never mind. I don't even know where I was going with this, but he's uh he's he's in another movie and he just can't seem to hold his own. So uh, you know, the Valeria and the City of a Thousand Planets or something that needs to do well, or else it's not going to. His career is probably just. That's from Luc Besson, correct? Yeah, of the Fifth Element, and his. That's another one I'm scared about. Then that that might go the way of the what? What was the one with Channing Tatum where where Jupiter Ascending? Right? Is that the? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's that's what I'm afraid it's going to be. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I hope I hope differently. The I like the Fifth Element, but it's just it's not good to like. It's not really safe to bank on newer projects these days, as we talked about last last time. Um, okay, we're going to take one more break, and then when we come back, we will have some, uh, you know, what's coming to theaters this week and a trailer talk. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Double J Filmcast featuring Josh and Gerald. Uh, coming to theaters this week, we have a doozy of a list only one of which people are probably going to care about uh i'll just i'm just gonna go down the list because there's not really a lot of talking points here uh bitter harvest collide featuring nicholas holt um da crazy pimps with a z drifter erasing eden fabricated city get out god particle my life is a zucchini punching henry rock dog sargi tulip fever voodoo a year by the sea. So a lot of these titles, you're pretty much getting what's in the title. If I had to assume about these movies, this is just an amazing list. Uh, actually probably it's even better than the, the list you had last week and the week before. This is probably when they, when they invented the movie medium, this is exactly what they had in mind. You know, that, that, that ever, ever present list of, you know, those, those hits incoming hits that, that, that's going to be on the screen. Uh, such as you know the crazy pimps and of course my life as a zucchini you know what what a world this is when uh we have a week where the crazy pimps goes against my life as a zucchini coming out of theaters oh it's going to be an intense competition uh backed with uh you know having a bitter harvest as well yeah exactly if you don't like those you can go punch henry it's just it's up to you whatever or you, know, or you can get out <laughs> yeah yeah i mean at, at least i all the- i got to go <laughs> on the plus side, at least this week we can pronounce all the names. So you, you just gotta, you know, you gotta pick and choose your battles a little bit. Okay, hey, so let's talk about trailers. Have you uh, have you seen Colossal, the trailer with Anne Hathaway? Uh, yes, it, it's all right, um, but nothing that overwhelmed me at this point in time. But then again, the trailer's still young. It's it's there's sure more coming to back it up as far as seeing whether it's something that's gonna click with me and click with general audiences are concerned. Well, it's not, I'm, I'm just going to tell you now, it's, it's probably not going to be a good movie, but it'll be entertaining. Okay. I think that's uh, what looking already into the future, be, I guess like, it, no, I mean, it's, it's just one of those movies. It's like a uh, zombie on Netflix. Like people are going to go watch it just because it's looks kind of over the top. And I, I like Anne Hathaway and I hope that she eventually returns to greatness. But for now, She's making her run on the indie circuit. Uh, next up, we have Dean with Dimitri Martin, which actually – did you watch the trailer for that? It actually looks good. No, I haven't. Tell me a little bit more. So he's this uh, he's this kid who 
his dad is mourning the loss of his wife, and Dimitri Martin is played Dean, who doesn't know, uh, who doesn't, he's not mourning his mom, and he doesn't know why. So it's like that whole kind of, it's not really coming of age, but it's kind of a soul searching movie with that unique brand of like awkward comedy that is Dimitri Martin. So he, he reminds me of Zach Braff in a way. Like it, this movie reminds me of Garden State. Oh yes, I knew you were going to say that as soon as, as soon as you mentioned his name. So definitely, uh, definitely something to look forward to indeed, if that's the case. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it, it doesn't disappoint. Uh, Ghost in the Shell with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Have you seen the new trailer for it? You know what? I'll tell you what. Yes, I've seen the latest trailers for it. I, I have seen the TV spots. I will give them this. If the movie still fails and it still falls flat in its face, it will not be because of, of publicizing the movie. It will not be because the movie commercial or the movie trailers didn't get out enough. It's not because it wasn't put in the eyes of social consciousness and the, and the, the casual audience out there. It's because people will just don't want to see this film. You know, it, how, it's been on the Super Bowl. It's been, you know, already in, in national TV and, and whatnot. We see, you know, see it all over the internet as well. So uh, at least my props to those who are, who are, you know, running the, the actual PR for the film because they've really done a great job and uh, whether or not this is going to translate into a, a really good movie event, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Is it something that you're looking forward to personally? No. Not okay. at least in the film standpoint, not at least in the theatrical standpoint, but I will watch it when it comes to video. From from what I saw in the trailers, it looks like it's pretty much hit for hit the the anime the original anime film. So I'm curious how they're going to because that that was a really confusing story. It was it was good and it was fun to watch, but it was a really 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 confusing story. But it also reminds me a lot of uh, Aeon Flux with Charlize Theron, oh, uh, and and that's that's what I'm afraid of as well. It it veering off into that direction as far as having the best of intentions, but unfortunately the worst of executions. So for this one, we should hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And then here comes your favorite movie. Go, go, Power Rangers. So they released the final trailer this week for Power Rangers. It didn't really, you know, it had maybe a couple lines that were different. It needs from, more trailers. It needs more trailers. Definitely more trailers. Um, I, I, are you, are you going to go see this? Is this something that you think will sit well with people of the generation that that came out in? If my girls want to go see it, I may be interested in seeing it. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not... I was still already an uh, adult when the Power Rangers hit it big in the 90s, so I'm not really that. This didn't really grab me when it came on afternoon TV, and and I, I already saw the context of it. Uh, personally, I, I like the mashups where, um, as far as you know, mirroring Japanese television. If you want to do that, you know, watch MXC. That's to me the, the best use of uh, Japanese television ever, but that's that's my opinion. But um, the as far as the Go Go Power Rangers are concerned, the Power Rangers, uh, Elizabeth Banks is, is one of the the best actresses out there right now, and that that leads me to to hopefully one of these days I want to do a piece on on uh, a great film from the two thousands. That I wouldn't say it's a great film, but when it's a very good film, it's a very enjoyable film. It's one of my favorite films, but I won't say what it is because it's going to ruin the article. 
but if I ever get around to doing it, I want to say it's one of the most influential films of the the uh, modern era because of how many stars emanated from. I may have mentioned it before in a previous podcast, and I probably did, so you can probably look it up. But um, I think that that her character, if she's allowed to do what she needs to do, it could be good enough to to carry this film into a hit status. But it has to be reliant on her character or and also brian cranston but brian cranston's role is going to be a little bit subdued just because of the nature of who he is in the film right i i i'm not expecting anything out of it i'm i'm more than eager to give it a try like i will gladly go give it a try i'll probably go maybe you know the week it comes out to see it but i'm not expecting anything uh great from it so all right that We'll do it for the Double J film cast featuring Josh and Gerald. Uh, Gerald, is there anything you would like to uh, you know talk about before we close? Well, I just know there's some some pretty good films. Logan is probably the best thing on the market right now that's going to be coming out in the near future. Right now, there's actually some good films out there. If you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 2, if you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie, they're both getting strong reviews. They're both doing well at the box office. These are these are films that you actually should go see in theaters, and you will have a great experience in seeing them. Um, like I said, after Logan, it gets a little bit dry, uh, and, uh, but then Fast and Furious, the next one, that's what I'm going to call it, the Fast and Furious, the next one, comes out, and then uh, then we go in from there. But I think we're just all waiting for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to come out and, and uh, rock everyone's world. Because that, that's kind of like the jumpstart of the official summer blockbusters indeed yes the first week of may usually kicks it off and that's that's to me really what i'm waiting for as a movie fan but there could be some decent stuff on the way so we'll keep an eye out for you right here at the double j film cast if of course you know the single j here lets me back on the show at some point in time of course if not i will mention it on our other shows the pop culture cosmos show which you can find every Monday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And then also the double, excuse me, I was going to say the double J, but also as well, the PCC Multiverse, which you can listen to at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, also on the Podcast Radio Network. Or you can download it off of iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Google Play, Mixcloud, the ESO network, the Tangibound network, and also the Gunna Geek network as well. And I had, you see, I had to close my eyes so I could remember I, all of them. I it's noticed. Getting, it's Are they on the back of your eyelids? Um, yes, because it's like a, like a rolling transcript, like right, coming right through my eyebrows. <laughs> and if you like the Double J film cast, uh, Humanican Media has several other shows which are featured prominently on the pop culture cosmos. Uh, we have Chad Travis's musical show about music. We have, uh, Oh, the super bro station games cast and a brand new show coming at you called what about this, which I'm actually really excited about mostly because I don't have to be on camera. I'm just, I'm producing strictly and I have full confidence in the people who are, uh, you know, on screen debating things. So stay tuned for that. Oh, that might be, that's, that is either going to be awesome or like a grease fire. But anyway, it's just like a car crash. You got to watch it and listen to it, right? Hey, exactly. But I'm excited about it. Uh, hit or miss. It's, you know, it'll be an experience. Yes. I'm doing the logo now as we speak. Yes. What about this? Yes. 
Um, all right, uh, that'll that'll do it for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have another episode for you next week, which may or may not feature uh, Gerald here, but most likely will. So uh, thanks for tuning in. All right, have a good one, everyone. Thank you.